when we go through tragedy, when we go through trauma, yeah, you could go through the end of it. You could put it in a box, stick a bow on it and put it on the shelf and move on with your life. But you know, I mean, from your own experience, I have learned that's not right. Now it's our job to reach out to somebody else, to share our experiences, to tell them, you know, maybe you can shortcut what you're going through by what I went through, that, that there, you, you breed some kind of beauty out of the ugliness that you've experienced. Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. Hello, persisters and brothers. Today, I am... I have maybe one of the most persistent women I know. She's so <laughs> fabulous. Cindy Villanueva is a martial artist, someone who is a marketing expert, and she has written an amazing book called Don't Fight that Mad, a black belt quest to recapture joy. But well before all of that happened, Cindy reached out to me five months ago, and we've been back and forth, back and forth. I... Just absolutely adore that she stuck with me because she has such a spark. Cindy, thank you for being here and for being willing to tell the story behind the story. How in the world did you become the author of Don't Fight Mad, a Black Belt's quest to recapture joy? In fact, why did you become a Black Belt? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I I was not one of those kids who did martial arts, you know, as a child. Um, I was a swimmer. I was a competitive swimmer. And then when my daughter was uh, in the eighth grade, she got into this little pushing fight at school and my parents flipped out and they said, the kids need to know how to protect themselves, find a good martial arts school. We'll pay for the first year. And so I had three kids. Um, she was 13 and then the boys were 10 and eight. And so I looked around, this was back in California. We were in San Jose and we found the Ernie Reyes organization. And I fell in love with it because not only did I like the Taekwondo discipline, but they really cared about leadership and, you know, responsibility and self-discipline and, and, and all those great characteristics that you want your children to have. And so signed up all the kids and I would sit with all the moms, you know, we'd sit there and watch our kids out there on the floor. And there was one instructor who used to come over to me at least once a week. And she'd say, you know, you want to get out here, you know, you want to be out here. And I was like, no, come on. I mean, I was like 32. I'm like, I'm I'm too old. I'm out of shape. No, 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 no. But then when the kids were about, I don't know, they were, they were intermediate belts. We went and we watched a black belt test and it was at the civic auditorium in San Jose. And there was all these people. And I saw other women in their thirties who were testing for black belt. And I was so inspired And I came back the following week and went, all right, you win. I'll do it. And I signed up. And so that was in 1994 and never in a million years thinking about, you know, getting a black belt or owning a school or anything like that. Um, But I just fell in love with it. And, And, you know, to have something that started out just to really have something fun to do with my kids became just a life passion. And with martial arts, it's kind of like, 
you go through the stages of, you know, oh, I take karate, you know, kind of thing to where, oh no, I'm a martial artist. Oh wait, I'm a black belt. Oh, I'm a master instructor. And it's this, it becomes a part of who you are. And so, yeah, that's, that was sort of the evolution of it over the last, you know, almost 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. And it's so good, like you said, for the kids, because it doesn't just focus on becoming that black belt, but it's rather all of the character qualities that you want to have instilled in them. So fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Single mom, you're certainly a young mom. Do you want to tell a little bit about that? Because you referenced having your own martial arts school eventually, but before that, you've gone through some hard times. I did. I did. I, uh, when I, um, graduated from high school, I graduated with straight A's. I went off to UCLA with this big scholarship. I was like, you know, kind of the golden girl in my family. And, uh, I got pregnant my freshman year in college Mm -hmm. and I came home and had a baby and, uh, was a single mom until she was three. Um, met my first husband, um, I met him at church. Um, and, uh, we were married for 15 years, had yeah. my two sons with him. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I was a single mom for those, those three years. And then after we divorced, um, was a single mom again. And then by that point, my daughter had left home, um, but I was raising the boys right. and, uh, raised them alone for several years. And we, you know, did martial arts together and, it was really at that point that martial arts kind of changed for me from being something that I enjoyed and that I got a lot out of and I was able to do with my kids, but it really became kind of a lifeline for me between, you know, my family and martial arts and my faith. That was really what kind of got me through that divorce because it was, it was pretty ugly and, uh, yeah. And having to, you know, go to court and prove that I wasn't an unfit mother and, you know, that I deserved to take care of my children. And I mean, it was just, it was awful. And martial arts was really a lifeline for me. I could go and I could, you know, kick and punch and run and scream. And, and, and it was, it, it really helped in so, so many ways. It sounds like it was a pretty volatile divorce and what a stabilizing thing that you already had in place for that outlet Yes. And for that accountability, probably to maintain certain decorum. Very much so. Very, very much so. And actually, it was during that time that the um, that, that the idea of, you know, martial arts as sort of that metaphor for life started kind of there was a glimmer in, you know, in my head. It hadn't it wasn't a book. It wasn't anything like that at all. But it really started solidifying itself that way. And the genesis of the book was many years later, where I mean, this has probably been five years ago. I was doing a keynote speech at University of Texas. I had moved to Austin, Mm -hmm. and the UT Graduate Women in Business was holding a big dinner for all their newly graduated MBAs. So you can imagine there's you know 200 women MBAs newly graduated, and they invite me to do the keynote. And I think you know. When you think about women in business, you don't necessarily think of a woman as being the head of a martial arts school. And so they kind of liked that idea. And so I, you know, I'm doing this keynote and I do this, this thing on resilient leadership and I'm using martial arts. I give them like six different steps. And at the end of it, I had several women come up to me and say, oh my gosh, you should do a TED talk. You should write a book. And, you know, so that was kind of rattling around in my head for a while. And then a couple of years ago, um, I was... 
I don't even remember how I found out about it. This Seth Godin um, writing in community workshop came up and it, the idea was that you would actually, you know, write in community. There's like four or 500 people around the world in this and you're in cohorts and you get this great opportunity to write and that you would actually write a book in the space of, you know, from solstice to solstice. And so I joined oh. and, and I thought at the time I was writing this little self-help book about, you know, martial arts and, you know, overcoming tragedy or whatever. But as I started writing and people in my cohort and other people from literally around the world were reading my work and would come back and say, well, that's really interesting, but how did that affect you? Tell me more about you. And so I started injecting a bit more about my story. And, and at some point, a few months into it, it became clear that I wasn't just writing this, you know, little self-help book. I was writing a much bigger story. And so it ends up where the first section is memoir Right. And the second section is the self-help and it ends up being seven steps now into the six. And then the third part really came after I completed the first two parts. And I just didn't feel like it was, it wasn't complete. Right. And what I've realized was, you know, Or you you breed some kind of beauty out of the ugliness that right. you've experienced. And so the third section of the book is all around inspiration. And it's about, you know, reaching out that hand to somebody that you can help. Right. I love that because you've made meaning out of something that yes. otherwise would have been an ugly blight in your life. Yes. You just quote unquote got through. And now yep. No, it's something that has transformed you and that you could share and someone yeah. may be able to benefit from that definitely is benefiting from that. That is so fantastic. I also like the idea, never heard of, I know about Seth Godin, but I didn't know that they had those communal writing situations. Yeah. That was virtual, am I right? That people It is. Yeah, it is. So fabulous. It's good for, you know, I have a lot of listeners who want to write a book. Mm. Or you want to find community as they're writing. And what a wonderful way to do it. And also social proof your book in a way, because if you have people from different cultures and countries chiming in, you're being much more inclusive and aware than if you're just sticking with your own little region in your own country. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you end up self-selecting into some of these different groups. And I have ended up into a group now that I've been in for two years and it's all women over 50 and we're all, all over the world. There's a woman in Ireland. There are two or three in, in Canada. There's a bunch of us in the U S I mean, we're all over the place and we're all writing different things. Some are writing poetry, some writing fiction, some writing nonfiction. One woman up in Canada is an award-winning photojournalist. I mean, it's just, and it's been brilliant to get all those different kinds of, you know, perspectives. I love that. That's so fantastic. It takes a very lonely journey to something very communal and so much more fun. That's yeah. terrific. Now, to your martial arts, what would you say? There are a lot of people who listen and think, I can't even relate to that. I mean, like, that sounds so physically grueling or only for the very wealthy <laughs> or the wealthy or whatever. What would be a benefit of doing something like martial arts? And how can someone get their foot wet and try it a little bit, do you think, in a way that's yeah. affordable and accessible? 
Uh, that's such a good question. And, you know, there's one, there's one of the sections in the book that I talk about, about getting in the ring and getting prepared before you get into the ring. And that's really what this is all about. And when you find out, maybe it is martial arts, you know, maybe that's going to be a thing for you. There's, there are classes. I mean, there are affordable classes. If you go to the Y or you go to some of the community centers and sign up for a six week class to give it a try. You can certainly go and pay a lot of money and go to, you know, some of the higher end studios, but there are other ways of doing it that are very, very affordable. Maybe martial arts isn't the thing for you. Maybe you're super wound up. You've been through some terrible, terrible stuff and you are super wound up and you need to chill out. Maybe taking a yoga class is what you need. Maybe you need to get a meditation practice. There are a variety of different things that will help. And so it's a matter of deciding, you know, what ring you are supposed to be in and then figuring out what the practices are that you need in order to prepare yourself for that ring. Maybe you need to take a pottery class. For me, it was going back to school because of course, you know, when I went off to college here, I'm thinking I was had no intention of having children. I'm going to get a degree. I'm going to go to law school. I'm going to be a senator from California. You know, I had all these big plans and none of that comes to fruition and I don't finish my degree. And so now after my first divorce, I'm a single mom. I'm trying to figure out how to keep a roof over my head and take care of these kids. And I'm thinking, you know what? I have to go back to school. So that was part of my preparation was going back to school, finding a program that I could afford. And unfortunately, you know, had to take out some loans, but I didn't get my bachelor's degree till I was 40. I didn't get my, my MBA till I was 50. I mean, my daughter got her master's degree before I did, but it's, it's really a matter of deciding that, you know what, I've sat in the sidelines long enough, you know, what happened to me or what my decisions prompted don't define me. I'm ready to get back into life. I want to make sure I'm getting into the right ring and I'm going to prepare in the way that best suits me for whatever that happens to be. So maybe it's martial arts, maybe it's yoga, maybe it's, you know, going back to school, whatever it is, but do something, do something that invests in you. I love it. I love that. I think sometimes I think it's normal as a parent to look back, especially as a single parent, to look back on your child's life, children's lives and think, what could I have done differently that might've been a little bit better? And I definitely think that I prioritized in addition to the other stuff we were doing movement regularly. Yes. Such a trauma releasing Absolutely. And it doesn't mean it takes the place of therapy. It doesn't take the place maybe journaling or being in a support group, but movement is critical and it would have role modeled it for them. And I probably would have been a lot calmer. So I love that you had that outlet. And uh, I mean, there's, there's been recent research. I mean, even within the last month that has come out, that is really touting the value of getting outdoors that we are designed, we're not designed to be sitting here in front of desks, in front of computers for, you know, hours and hours and hours a day. We need to be outside and experiencing that. And if you can just get out and walk around the block, you know, take five minutes and just, like I said, invest in yourself. It doesn't have to cost anything. I love it. I love that, Cindy. That is so fantastic. I really am so excited about getting to read your book because 
it's wonderful that you use it as examples and like getting back in the ring and making sure when you when you're older you know more and to get back to the right ring. (laughs) So true. I mean, you know, know, the, the example that I give is is in a martial arts tournament. You know, if I go to a tournament, I don't ever get into the heavyweight men's black belt division. Right. It's not my division. It's not my ring. Now I may have as many stripes on my black belt as that guy does, but if he's six, five and he weighs two fifty, guess what? It doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not in the right ring. I'm going to get hurt. I'm not going to be successful. Likewise, I don't go into the four-year-old white belt ring because, (laughs) you know, and and there's nothing to be gained from me doing well there. It's like, well, of course you're going to do well there, you know? So you want to find the ring where you're going to be challenged, where you're going to have to work, but you have a legitimate chance at success. That's what's really, really important. So that takes some time to kind of figure it out. Where exactly am I supposed to be, especially after we're coming back from a traumatic event or a traumatic time in our lives? Because it's so easy to just stay on the sidelines. I'm not going to risk. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to have this very, very dull existence because it's safe. And that's okay for a while, but that's not life. That's not life. We need stress and challenge and change, even though it sounds all dreadful. And especially after a couple of years of most of us staying home, you know, I feel like I'm much more cautious than I was pre-pandemic about a lot of things that I never meant to be cautious about. And it's not necessarily beneficial. So to get back into the ring and then choosing that right ring. And of course, knowing where you want to go. I think it's great yeah. that you have, have had and taught martial arts. I think that's so terrific. And you do marketing, correct? I do. Was I do. Book, was it therapeutic to write? How did it feel when you finished that book? You know, I'll tell you honestly, it, the, it wasn't a great feeling. And you maybe experienced this. And I've talked to other people who do it. You finish it and you're just like, oh, wow. Like, you have this kind of weird feeling. It's not like this euphoric feeling like, oh, I did this. That comes. But the immediate result was kind of like, wow, I, I'm I'm done now. Now, now what? Right. <laughs> and it wasn't then it's you know, you have to take a couple of days to kind of get through it. And then it's like, oh, wow, you know what? That's freaking awesome. I did that. Look at that. I did that. And That's then once right. I started doing the marketing work and I started doing the um, you know, I went and had the photo shoot for the cover and you know, and and all the exciting, fun, you know, stuff that goes along with with writing a book. And then you do, you just you sit back and in kind of in awe, like, wow. And then I will say too, after I wrote it, um, so my brother read it. And, um, so my brother's a voiceover actor and he said, he goes, sis, you gotta, you gotta do an audiobook, and it has to be your voice because this is your story. And so he has a studio in his house. So I flew out to California for a couple of weeks and we worked together and it's hard work. I, I have so much admiration for people who do voiceover work because I mean, I would, I would work for an hour and I'd be just beat. And all I'm doing is reading. And so he's there and he's got the big screens and all the fancy stuff. And so after a week, I finished the whole thing. And I, and I can remember setting the microphone down and looking at him and saying, I can't believe we're done. And he goes, 
you're done. I'm not done. I have all the editing and all the prep work to do. So he did all the work to prepare oh. the files to, to send. So now, you know, the book is on Audible and it's on a variety. It's on Apple. It's on a variety of different outlets so you can get it. Um, but the audiobook version of it. But um, that was that was a really exciting point was to to hear it. Um because I actually listened to it. I, I, when I was driving one time, when I was driving from Texas, I listened to it in the car. I was like, wow, that's really cool. That is so cool. And that is hard. But what a wonderful thing to work with your brother. Well, not always. I mean, he's my younger brother. And so if I would mess up or something, he'd look at me. I mean, I'm sure he's much nicer with his clients, but with me, he'd be like, do that again. That was so stupid. I can't believe you messed that up. <laughs> Family, family is family. <laughs> yep, yep, baby brothers. <laughs> oh, that's a memory though you will always both cherish. They do yes. love that. Yes. Oh. yes. Well, where can listeners learn more about you and learn how to connect with you and get your book? Yes, thank you for asking. So my website's the easiest place. It's cindyvianueva.com and I'm sure you'll have that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Feel free to click there. You can sign up for my um, my newsletter um, for speaking engagements. I do love to go out and speak to women's groups or to young girls. Um, I do martial arts. We do uh, self-defense seminars, all that fun stuff. Um, so you can find it. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I mean, you name it. I'm, I'm there. It's, you can find me just about any place and you can buy the book. The, um, the, uh, soft copy is on uh, Amazon or Kindle. You can get on Amazon. You can get a hard copy from barnesandnoble.com. And, uh, like I said, it's on audible and Apple books and Kobo and any place that you would normally get an audio book are exploding in popularity. I mean, they really are becoming a listening culture. So I'm so yes. glad you got to do that yourself. Yeah, it was really fun. It was um, a really great opportunity. Well, congratulations. I think it is so fantastic that you finished college, but that you've kept inspiring. You keep moving forward and you keep doing what comes next. And it's such a good thing for not only your kids, but the community to see. It doesn't you know, you went to school as an obvious shoe-in for success and things didn't turn around. They didn't quite come together as <laughs> as you might have thought, but that doesn't mean that there isn't endless opportunities for success. And I think that's you know, what people need to remember. It's true. And I, and I will say just one last thing that, you know, I, I titled the book, Don't Fight Mad, very specifically, it was it was some advice that I got early in my martial arts career. I wasn't a black belt yet. Um, I would spar, and I had this one instructor who would get kind of frustrated with me because every time somebody would score a point on me, I would just get angry, right. and I would fight harder, and I'd swing faster, you know. And and he stopped me one time, and he said, "Cindy, don't fight mad. When you fight mad." you miss opportunities and you don't see what's coming. And at the time I didn't realize what amazing life lesson that was, but over time I've realized, you know, I should have it tattooed on my arm. And that's not just a matter of fighting mad, you know, being angry. It's fighting in bitterness or resentment or fear or guilt or lack of forgiveness, any of those negative emotions that make us react instead of respond. Mm-hmm. And if anything, martial arts has taught me, it's don't fight mad. It's don't fight mad. Find a way to eliminate those emotions because they will kill you 
they will suck the life out of you. And we deserve joy. We deserve a life of abundance. And when we allow ourselves to be restricted to fighting mad, it just sucks the life and the joy out of us. I think that is great advice and a beautiful title for your book. Thank you so much for hanging in there. We connected and so many little things in our way (laughs) to meet you and get to spend time with you. I feel like we're spending time in person, but we're really not. uh, It's been delightful. I I mean, I'm I'm such a big fan and I was so, so thrilled to meet you. So thank you for having me. to meet you. And I'm so excited that you're going to be on YouTube on my channel too, this interview. So yay. Yes, ma'am. The first guest interview to show up on YouTube. So. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, feel free to leave a review. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, Go ahead and subscribe, and I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnuga Network.